You are listening to Rockland Community Church, connecting all generations to Jesus. Well, have you ever thought about what it means when we say we are blessed? Or you say, I want to be blessed. I want the blessing of God. What does it mean to be blessed? Like, it's a, it's a good thing. We know that. Like, I mean, even somebody sneezes and you say, bless you. And I don't think they get offended by it, even if I were to say, what does that mean when you say, bless you? I think it comes from, uh, like, way, way back, people thought there was, like, a spirit in you, and you were sneezing it out, and so they would say, God bless you to, like, replace that spirit. I don't think that's what we mean today when we go, bless you. It's just sort of like, I heard you sneeze, is what I feel like all we're doing when we say that. But it seems like a good, like, blessing is just kind of a good thing. In fact, do, do this for just a minute. Most of you here are probably Christians. Um, Some are probably not. We're thrilled you're here this morning. Um, But everybody just pretend for a minute like if you weren't a Christian and didn't know what this all meant. And at the end of the service, a lot of times, I'll read from Numbers chapter 6, a blessing that Moses speaks to Aaron and his sons as they're about to go and and, um, uh, set up the tabernacle. Numbers chapter 6, and just pretend, pretend you're not even a church person, you're just here that morning, and you hear, the pastor closed the service with, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Regardless of your faith, like being at church, you probably would go, well, that was a nice thing that the pastor just said as we were all headed out. This idea of be blessed as you head out, is just, there's just sort of a positive association with it. And you, and you hear that, they call it the Aaronic blessing, the blessing over Aaron, the Aaronic blessing, the Aaronic blessing. Um, we, we hear that, it is, it is such a good thing, and you hear hints of it in what was just read in Psalm 67. The beginning is explicitly tied to it. It says this, it says, may God be gracious to us and bless us, and make his face to shine upon us. You hear the hints of that? In fact, uh, many people think, the people that I read that know Hebrew very well, um, tend to say the, the, from numbers, the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face to shine upon you, be gracious to you, the Lord lift up his countenance upon you, give you peace, is um, the number of words is three, five, and seven. And so the idea is uh, Moses is giving a blessing to Aaron, then to his sons, and then it gets bigger and it's meant to be a blessing for all the people. And so what seems like is happening here in Psalm 67 is they're going, remember that blessing, that the famous blessing in their culture from about 400 or so years ago, may that be true of us. May we receive that blessing even today. Being blessed is a good thing, but I need to just quickly tell you two misconceptions we have about blessings. Here's misconception number one, is blessing means getting what we want, how we want it. Blessing means giving me what I want, when I want it, and how I want it. So, for example, if someone is saying, um, I am lonely and the blessing that I'm seeking is companionship, or I'm struggling to make ends meet, what I'm seeking as a blessing is more money, or my health, I'd like to improve my health, so the blessing would be better health. And sometimes God may just do that for us, but sometimes it might be because we've got some things in our lives, like if we're saying, I'm lonely, and we're going, bless me by putting somebody in my life to help cure this, God might be going, you know, the biggest blessing is for you to learn to be content with me. Or, boy, if I just had more money, then I would be content, and I just, I need that blessing, and maybe it's 
Um, maybe there's an addiction in our lives that he has to break us of. And so giving more is not just going to be the blessing we think it is. Or maybe health has become an idol. And so to say, make my health even better. You might say there's a, there's a part of your heart that needs to be broken of that idol. And so if you think about it, sometimes, this isn't all the time, believe me, but sometimes we're praying, God bless me and bless me in this way. A blessing is what I want and how I want it and when I want it. And it might be that what we're asking for is actually something that would make us uh, trust God less. Well, because now I have this thing, therefore I don't feel like I need him as much. Right? And so if it's something, if I'm praying for something that says, God, give me this one more thing as a blessing that makes me not have to trust you, why would he give it to us? So sometimes we might be praying for a blessing, and it may not be in the way that we actually want it to come, because we know sometimes the blessing we receive is character that is developed. There's a, um, a movie with, with not rock-solid theology, let me just say, but the movie Evan Almighty, all right? Steve Carell plays Evan. He's a modern-day, that's uh, probably 10 or 15 years old now, but a modern-day Noah, and Morgan Freeman, of course, plays God. You think his voice, and you're like, that's probably what God sounds like. You got, so you've got a modern-day Noah, and Morgan Freeman, God, comes to him and says, build an ark. And so he starts building an ark. And Lauren Graham, who plays um, Evan's wife, starts saying, you know, um, her husband's a, a successful congressman, and now he is just a fool in society. And so she is just praying throughout this whole thing, and she is saying, um, she's saying, can you make our, God, make our family be closer? That's, the, that's what she's asking for. And then throughout this whole thing, her husband is just doing stuff that is just getting him um, just torched in the press, and he's a public figure, so it's very, you know, it's, it's very public and everything. And, um, and then there's this real poignant scene where she's frustrated going, I'm, I'm tr I've, I've been praying and praying and praying for our family to be closer. And God, the Morgan Freeman character, comes to her and is just having a casual conversation with her and says this. He says, let me ask you something. If someone prays for patience, do you think God gives them patience? Or does he give them the opportunity to be patient? If he prayed for courage, does God give him courage, or does he give him the opportunities to be courageous? If someone prayed for the family to be closer, do you think God zaps them with warm, fuzzy feelings, or does he give them opportunities to love each other? If I'm praying for patience, you know how God could give that to me? Is to put me in situations where I got to work out that muscle to become more patient. At the moment, that is not going to feel like a blessing, but that is character forming. It reminds me of uh, Job. If you know the story of Job, man, he goes through the ringer, and he, at the very end, he says, when he has tried me, I shall come out as gold. He says, I will go through all this. My character will be forged, and it will be refined, and I will come out as gold. Or there's Thomas Watson, an old Puritan preacher from the 1600s, says, Affliction promotes holiness. The more a diamond is cut, the more it sparkles. The blessings that we get so often are character building, and those happen at times, sometimes we're in the furnace. That's why I think it's difficult. Like I look at what's happening in colleges today, and I look and I think like, for these, these young people to teach them to be strong and to teach them resolve, what is the remedy? 
let's create a safe space so nobody's going to come in and have to teach you to have to be strong. Let's cancel people who are saying things instead of learning how to interact, which is where you are made strong. You want to have a deep friendship with somebody? Walk through difficult times together. Like if you have a real good friend and they've never ever made you mad or you've made them mad and you've had to work through forgiveness. Like what's our default? I got a good friend. I really want to have a good friendship. And then say he does something that makes me mad. And then our instinct is to go, ah, darn, I thought we were going to be such good friends. Instead of working through forgiveness. And you, you, you hurt me when you, you did that. Do you know that? Oh, I did because you did this. I'm sorry. And, and to work through this and you've got dirt on each other, but you work through it and then your friendship can be steadfast. Sometimes we walk through this cauldron of life to try and refine us and strengthen us. Just doesn't feel at times like the blessing of God, but it is. Second misconception is that the blessings of God are only for me. When God blesses me, the blessing is meant to terminate on me and me alone. Look at what he says. So let me start out again. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. And then he gives the reason he's asking for God's blessing. He says that, or you could say so that, your way may be known on the earth. Your saving power among the nations. In other words, are, are these blessings that God gives me in my life, are they just for me? And he's saying no. We take the blessings of God and we have the opportunity to say, God, use them for your glory that your name, your way may be known all over the world. That's what he just said. My blessing that I have received is not just for Jim. It is, God, I want your blessing and I want to use it to bless the entire world. When I'm blessed with more money, sometimes my default is good. Now I can spend more on stuff for me. Or it's the person who says, God, would you bless me with this promotion somehow so that way I can have other people do the things that I don't really want to do and I can spend more time doing the things I do want to do instead of going now I've got more influence how can I use it for your kingdom how can I use it for your purposes they're saying bless me so your way your saving power might be known to the entire world the reason we get the blessing of God is so we can point other people to him. I have knowledge of God so I can help other people have knowledge of God. I have my health and my life and my breath so I can use it for his kingdom purposes, for his good, for his glory that others might know the name of Jesus Christ. And don't miss what he says here. This is remarkable. Like, like in verse 2 it says you're saving power among and it says all nations. So if this was written about, about 3,000 years ago Think about this little group of people, Israel, and um, think about the idea, the audacity to pray, would your name be known all over the world? Okay, I'm just curious for a show of hands. How many of you have been, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, have been to a foreign country in the last two years, we'll say, the last two years? Would you just put your hand up if you've been on a flight? Okay. When we see all nations... We go, nations. Yeah, so King David just hopped on a jet and just took off, and he can go and take this gospel everywhere. Or he just logged on and typed something, and then so people all the way around the world. Like, none of that's happening. Like, we have that today, and we go to take it to the nations. Yeah, there's some challenges, but we've got the ability to do it. Look how many people have been able to just travel. 
And so here from this little slice of people, Israel, back in the day, and the nations, the, the, really the big thing that the nations around Israel had in common in that day is none of them liked Israel. And here they're praying, God, would your name go out to the very ends of the earth? You think about when Jesus was here, and they said, Jesus, in Acts chapter 1, is this the time you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he says, it's not for you to know the times, but you'll be my witnesses. And then he says, in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, in Samaria, and then he says, to the very ends of the earth. And that is powerful Roman regime trying to crush Christianity. We have it as you walk out, go and make disciples of all nations. Have you ever walked out and seen that and thought, all nations? My goodness, I'm just going to be walking and driving and flying for a while if that's really what I'm supposed to do before we get together next Sunday. That's our challenge is we go and we make disciples of all the nations. In fact, let me, let me say it like this. If you are a Christian, your job description is to be a part of the global proclamation of the gospel. That's your job. That's my job. If you're a Christian, your job description is to be a part of the global proclamation of the gospel. But again, you walk out and you go, yeah, great, all nations, and you go, that's just kind of overwhelming. I'll tell you, God's genius plan to make this happen is we have churches that meet all over the world. And when you are invested in a local church, and there's local church over there, over there, over there, over there, all these other states, all these other nations, you have God's people, in a sense, united all over the world. That's how we're a part of it. The greatest force for good in the world has been the church of Jesus Christ. And we send people right next door and all over the world on mission. Two quick misconceptions about mission I want to mention. One is um, to go uh, to Africa, for example. That's the only way that you can really be. When it says nations, that's what it means is, is we got to go over to Africa or something. That's a good thing. But also, we're right here. Why would we go, hey, somebody from over there needs to come over here and do mission work. Why don't we say, we're here. God has put us here. We are missionaries on the ground here. I'll give you a couple examples of how this happens. And you're going to hear some more about these over the coming weeks. But Clear Creek Rock House is a ministry that we partner with that um, helps the, uh, the graduation rate in Clear Creek County go from the basement to here. Almost every single kid that has gone through their ministry has graduated from high school. And as fantastic as that is and how changed their life is, we have so many people here that mentor, that tutor, that work there, that give to that ministry. And it is Christians, if you look at their website, they're unapologetically Christian, um, that will sit with them and shape them and form them and mentor them. So what's happening right here in our own backyard, maybe 12, 13 minutes down the road, you've got people that are sitting with people in the greatest of need and giving them a completely new life here and a completely new life in Jesus Christ. Life's Options is a fantastic ministry, near, uh, kind of near them, down in Evergreen, actually, a little bit. Um, it is um, when a mother has an unwanted pregnancy. It's hard to find help, especially Christian help in those moments. And so this is an organization that helps them do that. They've got a kid's closet that they have, um, it says it's increased with a bunch of young adults. The, the traffic has increased with young adults needing support during this time. They can come in and they can get things to help provide for their family. Um, <clears throat> this is an update we got from Life's Options. 
there's one-on-one prayer being offered and accepted by a lot more of their visitors than even has been in the past. In 2022, they had 22 clients, so that's mothers with unwanted pregnancies that come in. Um, as a, and they were having a problem. We were praying for this a while back as a church. We were praying because like, you went to Google and you couldn't find it. Um, it was removed for whatever reason. Um, but uh, they were having a problem just like getting traffic, like having people know about them. And this year, they have 28 clients just through October. So the word is getting out. And out of the 28 clients, um, there's been 11 new babies that have been born already, and two of them are pending. It is a ministry that takes people in, gives them actual life, prays over them, loves them, and then supports them into motherhood, whether or not the guy that got her pregnant is around. They are sharing the gospel with people in the deepest of needs. So first misconception is the only way to share the gospel is to go all over the world. There's ways to do it right here. I can walk to my next door neighbor and not go, boy, I sure hope somebody tells them about Jesus. The other uh, misconception I want to just mention briefly um, is going on mission as a Christian or as a church is not just about meeting physical needs. It is not just about meeting physical needs. I've talked with pastors about this who say we are just going and we're just being like Jesus by giving people toothbrushes, giving them food, never mentioning anything about him, not, not partnering with a Christian missionary or a Christian organization or a Christian church. None of that. We are just going and being kind and giving them what they need. And we are being like Jesus in that. And let me tell you, if you look through the New Testament, what you see about the life of Jesus is he does meet physical need after physical need after physical need, but he always does more than that. Remember the demoniac, the man with the demon that he healed? He healed him, and what does he say? Go tell everybody how God has had mercy on you. Or the Samaritan woman that comes up to him and needs water. Instead of just going, here's some water, have a great day, what does he say to her? He says, I am living water. I who speak to you, I am he. He is presenting himself to everybody that he goes to. The paralytic that takes up his mat and walks, he healed him, and it says, so that he might believe. The loaves and fishes, he goes and he breaks the loaves and fishes, but he's giving them a sign, and it says, they they said, surely this is a prophet that's come into the world. It's clear he is revealing something spiritual, not just meeting a physical need. Or when the blind man gets healed and they're going around going, who has sinned? Was it him or was it one of his fathers, one of his ancestors? They thought it was a punishment. And he said, it was not this man that sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. He takes every opportunity as he's meeting needs to also point them to himself. Remember the lepers that he healed? And he says, go show yourself to the priest. It says, as they went, they were cleansed. And then the one returns. And we go, oh, it's a, it's a parable about thankfulness, and we should be thankful. You know what Jesus really said? He says, Jesus said, we're not ten cleansed. Only the one had come back. And he says, where are the nine Was no one found to return and thank me except this foreigner? That's not what it says. It says, was no one found to return and give praise to God 
except this foreigner. Here at Rockland, one of the things we're very committed to, in fact, we have a, uh, I'm on the, I get to work with our outreach team and um, our mission, if you will, it says outreach coordinates and supports Rockland's ministries with the goal of achieving impact and involvement. We talk about that all the time, impact and involvement. How do we have a Christian impact with people and how can we engage anybody at any life stage, no matter how, how much time or money or anything you have, how can we engage people being involved in the mission of God through this organization or this ministry? And we said it is achieving impact and involvement for Christ by meeting the physical and spiritual needs of people that secular organizations cannot. See the distinction? We're trying to say we do some things that maybe a secular organization does, but it doesn't stop there. We are wanting to say we want to connect with you. We want to demonstrate Christ to you. We want to share the gospel with you. We at a minimum want you to know we're coming from a church and we're coming because we are Christians. And maybe sometimes that's as far as you're going to be able to get. Or maybe it's I've done trips before where I've gone someplace on mission and um, they've said they don't know you. So if you start sharing the gospel, it may have an adverse effect on them. So be very, very careful. And so we would just say we're here with them. Here's some food. And what we were doing is saying, here's food, here's food, here's your need, here's your need. Because if people are there going, I'm hungry, and you go, well, you just need Jesus, they would go, no, I need food. I need water. I need safety. I need shelter. And so we go, and we provide those things. And even at a minimum, we're going, we're here with them. And sometimes, culturally, that's all that it makes sense to say. That's why um, I think the best homeless ministry going right now is Mean Street Ministry. It was founded here, actually, years and years ago. And they go out, and we've been out with them. They go out on the streets. They look people in the eye, and they bless them with food, with resources. Around Christmas, they go, and they, we bring presents to them, and we carol, and we do all those different things with them. But they are unapologetically Christian. They have turned down money, even in a very difficult financial season, because it was coming from the government and they didn't know what that was going to do for their mission. And they said, no, thank you. We're a Christian organization. Now, um, we get to partner with all sorts of people about this. Let me give you a couple of examples. There is a, a young woman named Sophie Sepienza. And um, Sophie grew up here in the church, and that's a picture of her. If you're looking up, she's in the bottom right. And uh, we prayed over her several months ago, and she is on her trip. And she's going and bringing the gospel all over, working with Christian organizations. Uh, we got an uh, update from her. She's in Guatemala right now. It's called the World Race, where they work with Christian organizations, and they go to different places, and they take a year going all over to bring the gospel. And she says, after two weeks of domestic training in Georgia... Z-Squad, which is the name of her team on the trip, Z-Squad, made it to Guatemala uh, in September. From there, we split up into our teams. There's 22 of us on four teams. My team, Team Agape, traveled eight hours to northern Guatemala. We've been here for two weeks and have just under three left with our ministry partners. They go to a place, and then as they move on, another group comes in. So there's constant ministry happening. We're working with an organization called One Way Community, and she says they are incredible with a whole bunch of exclamation points. If you look at their website, One Way Community, they are unapologetically Christian. They have their, the staff and everything has t-shirts with crosses on. I mean, it's all over the place. They're unapologetically Christian. And then if you look, they've gotten a ton of awards in Guatemala for their benevolence work, even though they're a Christian organization. 
And she says they go out into villages throughout the week to do house visits, give water filters to families, work in schools with some great kids. My team and I get to do this with all of them. Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday mornings, we head to the village called Hermosa, which means beautiful. We do house visits and give water filters all morning, and then we head to the school in the afternoons. On Wednesday afternoons and Thursdays, we head to different vill- a different village. We hang out with kids all day, work in their schools, teach them English, work on their letters, do arts and crafts, but mostly we love on them. Fridays are a day they call ATL, Ask the Lord. Those are ATL days where my team and I just pray and pray and pray about what to do, and then we just go do it. What it has looked like is a lot of prayer over the city, even with the challenge of a language barrier, but God has used it in amazing ways. My team and I love it, and it's going to be hard to leave. I've seen the Lord moving in our hosts, the communities we get to serve, and uh, myself also while being here. One of my favorite things has been the house visits. We get to go and talk to the families of the kids who are at school. I've seen such power showing up and listening to their stories, even with the language barrier. She says, thank God for Google Translate. It's been such an honor to get to know these families, hear their stories, and show them the love of God through listening ears, praying for them in both English and Spanish. She tells a story of a man that comes to the door, and they bring a water, and they had brought a water filter. Uh, He had no idea he was getting it. He was shocked, and he was so thankful to be receiving it. God is on the move here, and he's truly been at work, and I'm so blessed to be here. The picture of um, the pictures of, is of my team at a children's day that we just hosted. We got to celebrate with the children who come from um, such little. We gave them food and played games with them and their family. And what they're doing is they are unapologetically sharing the gospel, praying for them, praying over them, connecting them with this Christian ministry that's on the ground. It's a missionary um, a young woman that grew up in the youth group here and is now going and doing missions, and we sent her to go do that. We have another international team, um, a husband and wife in uh, Maastricht, Netherlands, and uh, we asked them if they would throw together just a little quick video update for us to see what's going on. Will you play that for us, Grace? Yeah, one of our biggest partnerships is with the university chaplaincy called The In-Between. We met the chaplain there, her name is Petra, and she immediately uh, welcomed our team in to do events with them, to be available whenever we could. And so that led to us leading a book club back in April, um, which had so many great conversations. Um, One of my favorites was there was a student who was raised atheist that had a moment um, when we asked what, what clicked for them that week. She said, oh, for the first time, Jesus is making sense and it's clicking for me. Um, which is just incredible. And then there's another student that asked if we could regularly meet with her for um, Bible study. I have met with a man who is really seeking Jesus and asking big questions about faith. We've gotten to pray together. And recently he went on a pilgrimage um, to the El Camino um, to figure out what faith looks like for him. And so I think these partnerships have opened up the doors um, to have fun with students, to to listen and learn about their lives. Uh, We've seen God work through one of our friends we met at a board game club night. Um, She read the Bible in four months and has had so many questions um, for us, and it's just been really cool to see God working through that. 
Um, we play volleyball with students regularly, and through those discussions and meals that we share together, um, students are seeing God, and God is making himself known um, through fun and through those different conversations. Yeah, so it's we're really just getting started, but we're already encouraged and excited to see that God is working here, um, that students are hungry for truth, um, for hope, for purpose, and we believe Jesus offers that. Um, and we're excited to share it with them. So we're spending these, these next couple of months continuing to lay the foundation for ministry, and then in January are looking forward to launching more official faith events and fun events uh, so that students can build good friendships and then come to know and experience the amazing love of Jesus. So thank you for your prayers. Um, thank you for encouraging us and cheering us on. And we're just so grateful for you. Thanks, Rockland. Yeah, thank you. That is a, uh, a part of the world that is very post-Christian and not many missionaries will actually go there. And they are on the ground building relationships and now there are individuals who are excited about reading their Bible, for example. I mean, you heard the stories, and there's so many more, about how God is using them to bring his gospel to the ends of the earth. Um, one more we want to share with you. Uh, many of you know about our Tanzania ministry. We've been there for years. And Steve, I'll go ahead and invite you up. Um, we've done a lot there that has, been, um, that has been humanitarian and helpful and things like that. And um, it's been Christian. You can step right over there. Um, it's been a Christian ministry, and it is turning even more so to be just unapologetically like Christian and to help these um, young women, to help these families um, grow in their relationship with the Lord. And there was just a great story from their last trip, and so I just wanted Steve to share it. Thanks, Steve. Thank you, Jim. As uh, Jim alluded to, we are complementing our uh, normal humanitarian mission of uh, helping people meet their physical needs with a, a new and very exciting evangelical dimension of uh, making disciples and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're partnering with uh, churches around Tanzania, uh, many of them small, isolated, remote uh, churches in small uh, Maasai villages, and we're partnering with them to do three things. Uh, the first is to uh, conduct eyeglass clinics and give them reading glasses. Second is, uh, and really the, the heart of our uh, this evangelical ministry that we're starting is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with people who don't know the Lord. And third, we're giving Bibles uh, as gifts to people who need Bibles of their own. Uh, and the response to these three activities uh, has been amazing. People love these new glasses. Uh, when they put them on and they can suddenly read, they can see the fine print of their Bible. Uh, well, there's there's a lot of tears, a lot of hugging going on. And the people that uh, are not only open to receiving uh, or hearing about Jesus, they're anxious to hear the gospel and the good news of Jesus, what Jesus did for us on the cross, and what Jesus can mean in their lives. And many people, when they hear this gospel, the gospel of Jesus, they accept Jesus Christ right on the spot as their Lord and Savior. And uh, again, there's a lot of of hugs and tears as they accept the Christ. And uh, Bibles, uh, giving gifts of Bibles has been a big hit. It was almost an afterthought, uh, but it was a great afterthought as it turns out. Uh, we were going to take, buy and take 200 Bibles and give them out as gifts to people, particularly people who accept Jesus, uh, people who uh, 
can now see because they have new reading glasses. We were going to take 200. Uh, and we asked uh, our outreach uh, council to uh, provide the funding for that. And Jim said, it's a great idea. He said, we can't give too many uh, Bibles, uh, put too many, too many Bibles in the hands of new believers. Why don't we forget 200, make it 400? So we bought 400 Bibles, and they are a big hit. Uh, when the word got out in the local village we were at and in the surrounding areas, uh, people came flocking in. Over 100 people walked miles to come to this church and in the hopes of receiving a Bible. And they came in, sat in the pews of the church, and they waited patiently for their turn. And when we finished giving out glasses, finished sharing the gospel with the people we were, we were sharing with, and finished giving Bibles to people who accepted Christ, we then turned our attention to these people who were uh, patiently waiting. I say patient, they were excited. They were enthusiastic. Uh, they were pumped up, and you could just see on their faces, they were uh, determined to get a Bible. And that was a beautiful thing to see. I see people that are that excited, they'll walk miles and get that excited to receive a Bible and have the word of the Lord. Uh, and that was just a real encouragement to us. Of course, the enthusiasm, when you have 100 people all wanting a Bible, uh, and we have a limited number of Bibles, we were a little bit uh, concerned this enthusiasm might boil over into chaos as people start charging up to uh, line up for Bibles. So we, we felt like we needed to have some crowd control involved here. Um, and I had somebody in mind for that, and so I went looking for Scott Kern. If you know Scott Kern, you know he's tall, he's husky, he's strong, he has a, a a voice that is uh, deep and robust and, and uh, uh, just a, a very rich voice. And he, when, he's, when he talks, he sounds like what you might imagine Moses sounded like when he came off Mount Sinai with the tablets. And I, uh, I asked God if he would help us give out these, these Bibles. And I said, it's got three things we have to keep in mind. One is uh, only one Bible per, per family because we're going to run out. Secondly, these people are really pumped up. It's a beautiful thing that they're so excited, enthusiastic, but there could be some little chaos involved and there may be some, some uh, 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 maneuvering for, to get in front of the line. So I said, it's your job to keep, keep control and order uh, of these people. And uh, third, um, when you're doing the second thing, of keeping control and order, try to not get hurt. And Scott, Scott replied to that. He said, uh, he said, thank you very much for this wonderful opportunity. I think he even meant it. Uh, well, I'm exaggerating a little bit. We, didn't, we, we were pretty sure we weren't going to get beaten up. But uh, we did run out of Bibles. And when, we, when the dust all settled and the smoke uh, lifted, uh, there were about 20, 25 families who are there with sad, disappointed looks on their face, and we felt so bad. And Scott and I both went up to them, and we, we apologized. We told them we're so sorry that we ran out of Bibles. And we promised them, we gave them a promise, that when we come back uh, next year or the year after, the next time we come over, we'll bring more Bibles, 
and you come find somebody on the team, and we'll make sure you're the first one that receives the Bible. And that put a smile on their face. They were gracious and put a smile on their face. And, you know, that whole time, during that whole mission, ministry, uh, that this church, several churches actually we went to, um, put smiles on all of our faces. We felt like God was in control. God was there. Jesus Christ was, we felt his presence. And it was just a joy to see people cry when they receive glasses because they can now read their Bible and joy when they receive Bibles that they didn't have before. And when people's lives and hearts were changed before the, because they accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, that put a smile on all of our faces. So bottom line is, it was this new evangelical dimension that we added to our uh, Tanzania, Tanzania mission was a real huge success. Um, we're going to continue it. It's going to be part of our mission in Tanzania from now on. And the bottom line is, we felt God, Jesus was in our midst, and we were just, felt we were, like we were privileged and blessed um, to be a part of it. And the Rockland Church was part of it. I love that. I love he delegated the job of having to tell somebody in Africa, I'm sorry, only one Bible per family. What a difficult, what a difficult role. I love, I love, love, love that ministry. You can see up there, they're, um, they're actually going to have a table in Fellowship Hall. Because you see this and go, how can I tangibly be a part? There's one way to do it. They've got livestock to support families and widows. We sponsor a ton of young women in school and help them get an education in this Christian school. And then this funding and distribution uh, of Bibles. And there's going to be a 2025 mission trip there as well. Um, but it is, you know, as we think about just um, it, the mission of God is global and I'm just me, how can we do that? How can I be a part of the global gospel proclamation? How can we say, like verse 3 says, let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples, let all the earth praise you. Your application today is to take the mission of the local church seriously. We're in a stewardship season. Every time we hear these stories about what's happening, if you're giving, you can go, I'm a part of the global proclamation of the gospel. Take that seriously. When you see people like serving in the church and greeting and we're about to do communion, like serving communion and volunteering, singing and things like that, you can look and they can think, I'm a part of what's happening in the local church which leads to the global proclamation of the gospel. When we do these things, the gospel goes around the globe and eternities are altered. Mm -hmm.